0: podcast of Tapping to the Truth, hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course, with you as always, I am your ever so humble and you know mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap Committee alive from Stuart, Rome County, Tennessee. And so very glad to be back with you live once again, including the slightly larger-than-usual live audience, as once again we are being simulcast, broadcast with the Late Night in the Midlands Network. So once again, thank yous to Michael Vera and the whole late-night crew over there. And a special thanks also to the crazy Cajun, who's making sure that that connection is operating the way it's supposed to. In fact, Cajun right now over the BTR chat room, uh, actually uh, enjoying the fact that he's first in for a change, and yes... Yes, we, in fact, did beat the Chief, who's usually first in. We'll see who else pops in along for the ride as we go. I would imagine uh, the crowd will either file in little by little as the usual Friday night uh, games begin or or not. (laughs) In either case. Pretty sure the folks will check out the program on its own. Now, we are going, uh, my understanding is, for two hours live over at uh, uh, the fine folks with Late Night in the Midlands as well as doing the broadcast. But I do a reset at the halfway point of the two-hour live broadcast for the benefit of the folks that hear the rebroadcast on other terrestrial stations and networks that carry the program. Uh, most of those uh, groups do play one hour at a time, uh, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Dog Authority, where the fine folks there have me on seven days a week, uh, and I'm told it's because... The uh, fine folks in Utah are enjoying the show, so uh, thank you so much for that. Now, today, two scheduled guests. Uh, the title of the episode, which you know, I think it's kind of funny that for the purposes of podcasting, uh, and of course, the show is uh, moved into podcast form after it's completed, uh, you have to have a title. Uh, today, we're migration, blackmail, and global minimum corporate tax. Now, the reason for that is. Uh, the guest I have on, we start the bottom of the first hour, joined once again by frequent guest Dr. Michael Buschler. Uh He will be joining me to discuss this idea, this uh, hope and a dream, this typical leftist Democrat ideology of, well, there's a problem. Throw some money at it. That will solve it. Uh, only in this case the idea of sending uh, individual cash payments to Central American countries in hopes that somehow that's going to keep people from migrating into the country. Uh, some folks are calling it immigration blackmail. I will not call it that because immigration is a legal and lawful action. Uh, this is a lawless migration we're trying to stop. But at any rate, uh, the good doctor will join us to discuss This idea and what the most likely actual real-world ramifications would be should they pursue it. And in the second hour, for those of you who will be here, I am scheduled to be joined by Mr. David Morgan. Now, David is the chief editor of The Morgan Report, and he's one of the co-authors of a great book called Second Chance, How to Make and Keep Big Money – from the coming gold and silver shockwave. Uh, So we'll be talking a little bit about uh, the book. We'll talk a little bit about uh, David's actions with the Morgan Report. And then we'll talk a whole lot about this idea that's been floated out there uh, in regards to the global minimum corporate tax. Harebrained idea to try and... penalize American companies no matter where they set up their headquarters. So that should be an interesting conversation as well. In the meanwhile, there is some time before it's time for me to make said conversations with said guests. So let us begin with some news. Now, uh, as is often the case, there's always a wide plethora of things that I never seem to get to, and sometimes I'm torn between running with breaking stuff and running with investigations that are just being released and, of course, trying to get in things that I have not yet had an opportunity to talk about. In this case, I'm going to skip everything that's on my list of things to try to get back around to, and I'm going to start right here with this. Now, nearly a year after Planned Parenthood came under fire for snatching up federal coronavirus relief, you know, the dollars, taxpayer dollars uh, that was meant for small businesses. Well, nearly a year after the nation's largest abortion provider, uh, they're continuing to receive millions of dollars in the so-called emergency pandemic aid. Now, the reason I call it so-called emergency pandemic aid is because a lot of this stuff especially since Biden has been installed, has been anything but aid to anyone who needs it. But I'm sorry. This did happen under Trump's watchful – well, just Trump's watch. I'll call it that. Happened under Trump's watch as well. Too many people made it too quick, too easy, and and just – Way too easy to manipulate gaining it, and there's not enough resources even now to fully go back and audit where the dollars got wasted. Meanwhile, a lot of hardworking Americans who have lost their business may have possibly been able to survive and save their business had they received these dollars as it was intended for instead of going to Planned Parenthood. You know… The place that started with the twinkle in the eye of one of this nation's most famous uh, <laughs> most famous acolytes for the destruction of the black race, one of our most famous eugenicists, a hero to Nancy and, well not to Nancy Pelosi, although probably a hero, but a hero to Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yes, that's right. The founder, the creator of Planned Parenthood, someone whose name I will not utter in this moment for fear that her evil, twisted, demonic soul might appear in this room as if being called through seance. We are uh, on late night in the Midlands tonight, aren't we? So uh, it's a possibility. You know, you call on dark forces. They can appear and will if they feel they're being invited, especially if you're somebody who's on their target list.  … … which is why I've had to fight Nancy Pelosi out of my uh, studio multiple occasions, uh, and I'm only partially kidding. Uh, lots of times, news stories about her keep popping. up. It's like, ah, get out of here, Nancy. At any anyway, rate, here's the deal. Last spring, local Planned Parenthood affiliates masqueraded as small businesses in order to apply for the stimulus relief through the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, more often referred to as PPP loans. Now, of course, the… PPP loans were launched last year as part of the Trump administration's $1.9 trillion CARES Act. Now, in 2020, Planned Parenthood affiliates in at least 31 states and the District of Columbia were awarded a total of about $80 million in PPP relief. Now, I'm going to pause just a moment to remind you this is the same Planned Parenthood that bullies corporate America into contributing millions and millions of dollars every year and still somehow manages to get direct payments via grants and other service idea uh, expenses that have been allocated by the federal government. Oh, no, well, we we don't let them use the money to pay for abortion services, so so no American taxpayer is paying for that. Uh, But we do contribute millions of dollars to them uh, so that they can do other things. Really? Really, Senator? Uh, What? What other things is Planned Parenthood actually doing? And why does that little bit they take require millions of dollars? Given the amount of money they take in from private sector donations, they don't need taxpayer dollars, and they certainly most definitely did not need a single penny of PPP loans. They just didn't. I don't care what else they have to say. (coughs) Now, most of that $80 million in relief was granted towards the beginning of the pandemic in April and May when the country was weathering the strictest of lockdowns and when there were the fewest restrictions on the PPP. In fact, uh, banks were barely even looking at the applications. You got a pulse? We want to move the money through here, so let's go. Now, the mammoth non-profits emergency cash bonanza prompted – Quite the uproar from critics who argued that Planned Parenthood's individual centers should not be eligible for pandemic relief dollars intended to keep small businesses afloat. As you'll recall, I was one of those voices. And I actually know for a fact that a lot of you people that listen to the show agreed with me. I know this because it was, in fact, someone reaching out from the audience to me that brought my attention to this story before I saw it for myself. And then I was adequately...  … outraged. There's actually a scale by the way. Uh, Inadequately outraged, adequately outraged, ridiculously outraged, and then Tim on a regular rant outraged. That's that's about as high as it gets. You've rarely seen that on this broadcast. In fact, maybe only twice in the history of the show. Anyway, the fact that these individuals are set up as a nonprofit is utterly ridiculous too considering how much money they receive… But they clearly did not need a single extra penny. They have an operating budget that is well in excess of what the uh, federal government actually has in available capital to move around. Oh, they'll just raise taxes to cover their spending, and then they'll print some more money. Uh, Planned Parenthood doesn't have that luxury, so they just bully a bunch of people into,
1: oh, you must support choice for women. You must support health care for women.
0: Uh, I do support choice in health care. I support a woman's choice to make better decisions in the first place and not end up getting pregnant when they're not wanting to or not expecting to. There are ways around that that typically work. And, oh, by the way, if you're utilizing those methods and you get pregnant anyway, chances are there's a plan from a higher power. Now, that's not going to make you feel any better about it, undoubtedly, right then, but it's a good time to start praying is what I'm trying to tell you. Put your trust in that higher power. And know that higher power is not Barely There Beijing Biden. That higher power is not Kamala Operation Kneepad Harris. That higher power is not Nancy Mimi Pelosi. That higher power is certainly not Chucky e. Schumer from the block. It is none of these people. It's much higher people. It's also for the folks on the other side, it's not Donald Trump either, okay? All right, so people got upset. Right? Understandably so. This major provider of the murder of the preborn has more than 5,000 employees nationwide, and they perform nearly 355,000 abortions in a fiscal year of 2019. This, according to its own annual report, the most recent one available. The organization received more than $618 million in taxpayer funding over that same period and had a revenue in excess of $69.7 million as well as more than $2 billion, billion billion with a B, in assets. Remember when I told you that they had more actual liquid capital than the federal government does? There you have it. Our current federal government is too busy spending more money than they can possibly tax us to get. And if we don't slow that down soon, it is going to lead to the final and total collapse of our federal government. It's coming. Under the Biden administration – see, we move forward now. Under the Biden administration, some Planned Parenthood affiliates have been approved for millions of dollars in brand-new PPP loans, including some branches that already received emergency funding last year. Now, this is data that is available from ProPublica in case you're wanting to do your own homework, as I often recommend you do. We're looking at Planned Parenthood Columbia uh, Williamette, a cluster of six centers in the Portland area. They were approved as back in February for $2 million in PPP funds. Last year in April, the, the very same group received more than $2.6 million in PPP relief. Planned Parenthood of Montana, which includes the state's five locations, they received more than $1.2 million last month through the relief program, in 2020, the same group of Montana affiliates received more, even more, PPP funding to the tune of $1.3 million. Very lucrative business for the friends of Joseph Biden and friends of the Democratic Party, this whole pandemic. <coughs> Planned Parenthood of Maryland… You know, encompassing the abortion providers, seven locations across the state. Well, they were awarded 1.6 million in PPP loans. Uh, that was approved just this past month. The Maryland locations, just for the record, received 1.7 million last year. Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas. Now they operate 25 affiliates throughout Texas. They were approved for 1.9 million last month. Even the California Planned Parenthood Education Fund, an advocacy and legal arm that pushes for abortion rights in California, well, they received $418,000 in relief from the federal program, Uh, a mere pittance compared to what some of these other places are getting. But hey, that's the difference between actually performing the murder of unborn, pre-born children and just trying to educate and lobby for the continuation of the protection of the murder of pre-born children uh, obviously requires fewer dollars to do that, especially in a state like California. It's not like the legislature there is running any risk of dealing any kind of damage to Planned Parenthood and their operations. They go out of their way to protect them. I seem to recall a certain Citizen journalist getting video and audio of certain executives working for Planned Parenthood in various locations, and and the story was the same over and over again: the sale, the illicit sale of fetal body parts, and the only action taken was to charge the citizen journalist. <sighs> One of the largest dollar amounts, by the way, the federal Relief program doled out last year with a whopping 4.4 million, to you guess it, Planned Parenthood, in this case, of the Rocky Mountains. Now they operate centers in Colorado, New Mexico and Las Vegas. PPP gave another 3.9 million to Planned Parenthood of Illinois last April, and 3.5 to Planned Parenthood of Southern New England the next month. Now, businesses are eligible to have their PPP loans fully forgiven as long as they meet a few criteria, including not laying off employees or slashing compensation and spending at least 60% of the loan money on payroll. Only businesses with 500 or fewer employees, including all their affiliates, are eligible for the funds. So then at that point, one might ask, uh, how is it?  … that Planned Parenthood gets away with this, and that is because Planned Parenthood is not a single organization. They are a loose net group of affiliates. They are not true affiliates of a single organization. They've set themselves up so that each group uh, is part of a coalition, but they don't deem themselves as affiliates under legal heading. So some accounting trickery allows them to get away with still meeting this criteria. <laughs> Last spring, congressional Republicans called on the Small Business Administration to investigate local Planned Parenthood affiliates or their relief applications and demanded the affiliates return the $80 million plus dollars that they received back in 2020. The lawmakers also requested the SBA pursue appropriate penalties against Planned Parenthood branches that broke the law, arguing that the group's national organization, the Planned Parenthood Federation of America, jealously exercised control over local affiliates, meaning that the accounting trick should not be allowed to stand because it is simply an accounting trick. In reality, they are affiliates that are – closely micromanaged from on high. The SBA ended up ordering dozens of Planned Parenthood affiliates to return their PPP loan money, but only seven of the 38 affiliates that received loans have complied. Last month, 25 GOP senators, including Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, repeated their call for an investigation in a letter to SBA Administrator Isabel Guzman saying, quote, it is unconscionable that SBA continues to approve PPP loans made to organizations which are clearly ineligible for funding. This is unacceptable. Uh, Well, you know, it should be unacceptable. We shouldn't have to see this kind of behavior going on uh, in D.C. and it, with the Small Business Association. Uh, it is utterly, it's, well, I, I the right word doesn't come to me because none of the words that keep coming to mind are sufficient. I would say that it's inconceivable. Except it's exactly what we've come to expect from the fine folks in D.C., isn't it? It's exactly what we've come to expect from every organization that's involved with leftist ideology. In this case, the ideology of eugenics. The ideology of true racism. And all true racism comes from the left. At least they're the ones that keep getting away with it at any rate. Anybody on the right that installs any form of racism, they just don't get away with it. They can't. They won't let people from the right get away with it. And they shouldn't. But the problem is you shouldn't let people on the left get away with it. But, you know, they say the right words and they sound all,
1: well, we're really just trying
0: to help and blah, 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 yackety smackety. Shut up. It's obscene. It's ridiculous. It's the kind of thing that on a Friday evening gets my blood boiling. Look, I, I am angry already. I am a person that enjoys sweets way too much. And some of my favorite sweets of all time happen to be Girl Scout cookies. I say this to make the point that I have not partaken of a Girl Scout cookie in a very – long time. The reason I have not partaken of a Girl Scout cookie in a very long time is because I saw the effect that Planned Parenthood was having on the Girl Scouts of America. They formed this corporate partnership, and as part of that corporate partnership, they started spreading the mentality and the falsehood that abortion should be easy and meaningless and just another cheap, viable form of birth control. You shouldn't have to worry about the consequences of your actions; just go do what you want. The exact opposite that a Girl Scout message should be. Like a training. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, I was kind of trying to out a little bit, like some of these goofballs that Biden has appointed. But a uh, little uh, surprised Chief hasn't made it in. I hope nothing's going on in Chief's case. Maybe he actually went out and accidentally had a life today. I, <laughs> I know it's not uh, not likely, but it's been known to happen on occasion. All right, so yeah, you know, I, I make this because I'm very angry, very angry that the impact that Planned Parenthood has had, and they did the typical leftist thing. They got into our schools, ladies and gentlemen, by virtue of pretending to be trying to help prevent teen pregnancy, by trying to help prepare teenagers for the idea of what the responsibilities would look like and why you should be – Responsible when you're having sex Now that's the problem They tried to teach teenagers to be responsible when having sex They didn't try to teach them That uh, maybe it's a better idea Just not to have sex They didn't try to teach them That uh, okay there are certain circumstances That will arise Should you engage in sexual activity Now it would not have been enough To stop 16 and 17 year olds Back when I was in high school I'm pretty sure that that's a pretty standard thing for quite a while now. But it probably would have been enough for 15 and 14 and 13 and 12, and now we see some kids as young as seven. How the plumbing is working that well just yet, I'm not certain, but hey, we see this. And it is a direct result of coalition, if you watch – The time Planned Parenthood has been involved in public schools. Just a coincidence? I don't think so, Scooter. At the end of the day, it is a dangerous precedent that they sent, and it is even more dangerous to have to sit back and think for one minute that this is acceptable behavior. They should not be receiving a single penny of taxpayer dollars, period. Any corporate entity that wishes to no longer contribute, I'm looking at Susan B. Coleman in this case. They've had two different CEOs at Susan B. Coleman who have wanted to stop contributing to Planned Parenthood. And in the multiple occasions that both tried, they were bullied into going back, giving up money of their own that they could put forward to cancer research. That's their area. And instead having to give it to Planned Parenthood who does nothing but slaughter pre-born children. All right, we're getting really close to time for that mid-hour break, so let me go ahead and uh, see if I can't get this started. And on the other side, we will, fingers crossed, be talking with Dr. Bushler. Uh, stay right where you're at. Well, assuming that I can get this to go back where it's supposed to be, (laughs) stay where you're at. I will be uh, right back ever so shortly.
2: As Americans moved west in the late 1700s, preachers braved for harsh elements, lack of roads, and threat of Indian attacks to take the gospel to the pioneers. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Artworks Notebook, Minister Francis Asbury traveled nearly 300,000 miles on horseback and preached 16,000 sermons. An army of Methodist circuit riders was inspired to go wherever the pioneers went. In the span of time, the denomination grew in number from 300 to over 200,000 members with 2,000 ministers, most of whom had little formal education. The Methodists also supported liberty for enslaved blacks in America, Similarly, the Baptists sent out farmer preachers who joyfully spread the gospel despite little education and meager wages. The preachers were in touch with the pioneers' lives with a heavy emphasis on the need for a personal conversation and salvation from sin through faith in Jesus Christ. Those valiant ministers spread the gospel far and wide. The Baptists made it easy for committed lay people to be involved in God's kingdom work. As we the people reinvigorate the effort to spread the unadulterated gospel and seek providential guidance, perhaps the mission to make America great again will be fulfilled. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty
3: Coalition.
4: Late-nighters around the world, listen up. The shop is here and you can order LNM radio flags right now. And show your friends and your neighbors you're awake by wearing one of our many shirts, including our Stop the Censorship shirt. That one is a hot seller, so get yours while supplies last.
5: We have coffee mugs, cloths,
2: so never miss your favorite show, books, mouse pads. Just go to latenightinthemidlands.com
4: and click the shop link. That's latenightinthemidlands.com and get to shopping.
5: Hey, late-nighters, keep up with all things LNM Radio by joining our mailing list. Just go to the bottom of the homepage and fill in the Stay Informed form. Then, click the Get Latest News button. You will get everything from guest info and show info and other important station-related information. So sign up now and get a special promo offer just for email subscribers.
2: They are trying to use these decisions to create more division in society. Uh, One of the best ways to balkanize America is to make irritating decisions that we know are unjust. And, of course, many say unfair, but I say unjust. And so um, I I do not expect a proper outcome. I think there will be an outcome that pleases the, the left... And if by some miracle uh, they accidentally do stumble across uh, true justice in the situation, there, is, there will be more hell to pay, such as uh, flame on uh, in American streets. Okay. So um, either way, the the left will be getting their their uh, their, their way in, in the situation. So um, it, it's a perfect setup. Um, in a society where those who are supposedly on our side or on the side of righteousness as far as uh, judicial um, exercise are too weak or too lily-livered and too um, limp-wristed uh, to, uh, to put up a, a good squabble against these, uh, these, these horrible inequities.
0: All right, Ron. I'm going to ask, even though you've already done me a huge favor. I'm going to ask if you'll do me one more favor, sir. Uh, I've finally got control of my switchboard back, and I'm finally broadcasting uh, back on the the uh, home pl- platform as well as the live. Can you stay with me till the uh, start of the next hour? And uh, let us continue that message then. just kind of hang out with me in the background because I do have my scheduled guest uh, that was supposed to be joining me. He's uh, called in, and he's uh, on the line right now. So is, is that something you can do? Because I appreciate you uh, hopping in and helping me keep the live stream going. Uh, and I definitely missed that getting to talk to you Wednesday. Uh, Kit, is that something we can do tonight, sir? So d- d- you want me to
2: hang on and listen?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's perfectly fine to hang on, listen, and then uh, when we reset the hour, I'll bring you right back on. We'll pick up there uh, at least for about uh, 20 minutes. Is, is that... uh, sure, that's that's fine. All right. Uh, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate that, sir. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening at uh, BTR, uh, you just heard a lot of crazy stuff because all the technical stuff went down there, but – uh, we do have Dr. Busler with me on the line now, and I'm going to go ahead and bring him directly on. And first and foremost, doctor, thank you so much for patiently hanging on here and recalling me back in the middle of trying to call you. Uh, my entire technical switchboard just – it went down. It went uh, all kinds of crazy. Uh, so I was balancing live streams uh, for uh, the radio uh, broadcast and then trying to, to get the other stuff going. So, again, thank you so much for your patience. And uh, thank you for joining me this evening. How are you doing, doctor?
5: I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me. As you know, it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, sorry uh, we got a little mixed up there in the beginning, but uh, I'm always glad to be here with you.
0: All right. I certainly appreciate it. Now, uh, what I really wanted to talk about you with, and unfortunately we're going to have to have an abbreviated conversation, but uh, as you're well aware of, and you've been commenting, uh This notion, this idea from just out of nowhere, uh, Biden and company have decided it might be a good idea to try and uh, bribe these illegal migrants who have been making their way up from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and points uh, other uh, just to send direct cash to these people. I mean it's worked so well just uh, throwing cash out to – The average American citizens who've seen very little of their bills, a lot of it just going to direct payout to their political allies more than anything. But uh, I I really want to get your impressions on, first of all, is this the kind of idea that has even a snowball's chance in Hades of working? And if they move forward with it anyway, uh, what are the direct results that we're going to see here?
5: So let's take a look at this idea. It it, it is a terrible idea. Um, President Biden's advisor said to him, um, "Since he's gotten into office, there's been a large increase in the number of illegal immigrants trying to enter the country, mostly because Biden reversed uh, three of the prior administration's key policies, which we'll talk about in a minute. But real quick." Um, So they said, look, all these people are coming in. It's costing us money to house them, to take care of them, to transport them around the country. Wouldn't it be cheaper for us to just pay them not to come? So the idea was we'll go down to these governments who uh, may have an issue with corruption to begin with, but we'll go to these governments. We'll give them money, let the governments give the money to uh, the migrants, and sort of uh, that should uh, keep them there. I think it'll do just the opposite. If you give them the money, they now have enough money to pay the coyotes to bring them uh, across, and I don't think it will slow down anything. In fact, it might even speed it up a little. Of course, the much better idea, especially since the federal government uh, not only is out of money but is uh, running huge government budget deficits now, two years in a row, row it will be over $3 trillion uh, a year, so a much better idea would simply be to reinstate the three policies uh, that Biden canceled when he got into office. So what were those three things? Now, one, the um, border wall, there's about 400 and some miles of it. There are spots where there's uh, gaps that have to be filled. The material to do it is there. They've hired the contractors. They were all set to go. Biden stopped that. Now people have easy access to walk through the wall, and to the border. The second policy was people that got to the border, President Trump's policy was you have you can apply for asylum, but you have to wait in Mexico uh, until the case is decided. <clears throat> Biden changed that, said you don't have to wait in Me- Mexico. You can come in uh, here. We'll release you, and um, we'll give you a court date, and we hope you co- uh, come back. Last time they did this, 97 percent of the people did not come back and just got um, just ended up staying in the um, in the country. Um, The third policy was if somebody got through illegally and was caught, the Trump administration sent them back to where they came from. The Biden has reinstituted the Obama policy of catch and release. So they catch them. They release them into the U.S., and they say, come back when you get a court date. And again, the vast majority don't don't come back. This is a terrible policy. If, Bi- if President Biden would reinstate what we had before, we'd get good results. We had a crisis here in 2018 going into 2019. Trump negotiated all these things. It worked perfectly because in 2020, immigration was uh, down to extremely low points. So instead of throwing away money that we don't have, on people we don't know and don't have a responsibility for instead of perhaps giving this money to the nearly 500,000 Americans who are homeless so instead of doing that reinstate the policies and the immigration problem will go away.
0: Well I think you did a pretty good job of encapsulating the the whole issue. Uh, Dr. Bussler, ultimately Two, we are already seeing serious potential risk to the uh, American economy having potentially long-ranging, devastating effects. We're borrowing a whole lot of money just to to waste a whole lot of money, uh, I, some of the wildest spending. I don't think I've seen this much spending since the last time I was hanging out uh, uh, in a, in a foreign port of call, and I saw the Navy guys come out and hit the bars. Uh, That level of drunken spending isn't anywhere near what we're seeing now. Uh, The risk of this continued reckless spending, uh, it's almost enough to make somebody believe that they do understand what they're doing, and it's almost a directed effort to destroy the economy. I know that's not what you're out here saying, but it certainly feels that way. How dangerous to our economy, even if you take the the ability of – Fast-tracking of these illegals coming in at a faster rate, how dangerous just to the economy and just dollars and cents and value of the currency does this run?
5: Well, so this anything they're going to spend on these uh, immigrants, as you point out, will add to the deficit. So how big is the deficit? Last year, it was $3 trillion. That that meant – The government took in about $3.5 trillion in taxes and spent $6.5 trillion, $3 trillion deficit. This year, the deficit will be even worse, uh, and he may, uh, Biden may make it even worse yet if he tries to push through what he refers to as an infrastructure bill. How bad is it, <clears throat> and what are the long-term problems? <clears throat> Excuse me. The public debt right now is approaching $30 trillion. Now, is that a problem? Most economists would say if you keep the public debt less than one year's GDP, you're okay. If it gets above one year's GDP, it's problematic. GDP will only be about $21 trillion this year, so we're nearly 50% above GDP. It's problematic. What are the problems? First of all, you have to pay interest on the debt. The interest this year will approach $400 billion, even though interest rates are rock bottom, and of course it's not going to stay there forever, but $400 billion that can't be used for other worth, worthwhile uh, programs. Secondly, and maybe even more of a problem, <clears throat> that $30 trillion, $24 trillion of it, the government sold bonds to the public. So that pulled money out of capital markets that could potentially create a capital shortage what happens then business wants to expand to meet all this demand the government is pumping into the economy if they can't get capital to expand and they can't meet the demand the only thing left to do is to raise prices so it starts out it ends up rather being very inflationary and it also tends to stagnate the economy could lead to a problem we haven't seen in 40 years and that's stagflation, a stagnant economy with high inflation. The inflation immediately is what I'm worried most about because, uh, as I said, the deficit, the debt's about $30 trillion, 24 of it. They sold bonds to the public. Where did they get the other six? The Federal Reserve just printed up $6 trillion worth of money, and they're continuing today at about $120 billion a month buying government. Uh, bonds. So that that vast increase in the money supply historically is extremely inflationary. So you take a look at the government pulling money out of capital markets, the government vastly increasing the uh, money supply, and on top of that, the Biden administration has declared war on fossil fuels, and as a result of that, You can't drill on on, uh, federal lands anymore. They canceled the Keystone Pipeline. They're trying to cancel the Dakota uh, Pipeline. That will restrict the supply of uh, oil and eventually gasoline. And when you do that, the price will go up significantly. I don't know if you bought gasoline uh, recently, but you're probably paying 89 cents a gallon more than you did uh, back last December. So my fears are with the deficit, with the increase in the, Uh, money supply and with energy prices going up, we're going to have a severe inflation problem. One last uh, point. It may have already started. In the month of uh, January, prices went up three-tenths of one percent. That's roughly a -a three-and-a-half percent annual rate. In February, they went up four-tenths of one percent. That's about a -a four-and-a-half percent annual rate. In March, Prices went up six-tenths of 1%. That's roughly a 7% annual rate. So my fear about inflation may have already started. Anything Biden's doing, giving money away that we don't have will make the problem worse.
0: Yeah, I, and that's that's been my major concern, too. Uh, he's literally doing everything that is bad for an economy, especially trying to come out of – our uh, artificial shutdown that was a result of the uh, yeah. COVID lockdowns. Uh Doctor, I, I hate so very much that we weren't able to really spend the time we normally have uh, due to the issue, but I do, once again, greatly appreciate your patience and hanging out and uh, calling back in and, and mm-hmm. waiting for me to be able to get connected. I can't thank you enough, sir. Uh, real quick, uh, let everybody know where they can find your work. I mean, uh, for those of you that are wondering, uh, Dr. Michael Bussler He's on the front lines every day. He's teaching as a professor of finance at Stockton University. Uh, He's in New Jersey uh, trying to convince college kids how finances should work. Uh, But, Doctor, please, uh, websites, uh, any social media, anything like that that you want to share, feel free to do that right now.
5: Yeah, so real quick, um, all of my columns I uh, uh, tweet out. So my Twitter is at MBustler, that's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. And if you have a Facebook page, uh, just go into Facebook, Facebook, and search for Funding Democracy. Funding Democracy. All my columns will be there, and I'd be very happy if anybody followed me.
0: All right. Again, thank you so much, Doctor, and I look very much forward to our next conversation, sir.
5: Thanks for having me. I look forward to be back with you, Tim.
0: All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, Doctor Michael Busler, and uh, you know it, the man. He is not just hanging out, uh, doing nothing. Uh, you can find his columns places like Newsmax, The Hill, The Western Journal, and townhall.com, just to name a few. Now, because of the timing that we were dropped off, I'm going to let my hour reset uh, crank a little differently than normal. Uh, and when we pick back up, uh, again, also very grateful, uh, Mr. Uh, Ron Edwards will uh, join us for the first part of this uh, second hour so for those of you that are at the uh, Late Night in the Midlands Network you've only got a mild interruption and you've gotten bonus conversation with me and Ron if you're listening uh, anywhere else uh, you are missed out on some good stuff so we're going to do that reset right now in the meanwhile remember do not take my word for any little thing you hear me say I don't I don't believe me don't take my word but don't dismiss it either, and don't listen to the other guys saying the other thing. Uh, at least don't just take them at face value either. Put in some time, a little effort, do your own research, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. If you're here live, don't go anywhere. We'll crank up right after this.
1: in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage, more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws, and too much government. You can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Right, you do the They say you're stable, but they don't make sense
0: Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And so very happy to be with you live. Uh, even though being live means that we have to roll with the punches and take what happens and if you have issues, you have issues, and man, oh, man, all of a sudden, out of the blue, BTR is having a ton of them. Uh, seems almost uh, kind of on a cycle almost. Uh, at any rate, uh, back in the first hour, I was uh, trying to make the call out to my scheduled guest, and the BTR uh, – the, the, the switchboard, it just went completely gone, so wacko, was hung up, uh, lighting up like a freaking Christmas tree to the point that uh, I was almost thinking uh, that I was having some type of LSD flashback or something. I don't know. Uh, really weird considering I've never had LSD, but uh, there's got to be some type of it. That, that must be a little bit about how Joe Biden feels every day. But at any rate, it's Friday, so we're rolling with those punches. And as a result of having that technical glitch and some quick thinking uh, from uh, the crazy Cajun who reached out to Ron Edwards and Ron joined me. So for the live stream over at uh, uh, Late Night in the Midlands Network, uh, we picked up the conversation there once we got connected, which still took me a few moments to get to. Uh, And then, of course, Ron very graciously – a scheduled guest uh, connected we had an abbreviated conversation and then proving that he is not only a great patriot and a great individual man but also a better friend than I deserve he's hung on and he's going to help me kick off the first bit of the second hour so Ron again thank you so much for giving up part of your Friday evening to join me here and once again for the folks that are listening to the rebroadcast later when we cut this show in half how are you doing today sir
2: Doing great. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, inviting me. It's always a pleasure to join you and your audience, and uh, you're a great host, and uh, you make it fun and uh, very interesting.
0: Well, uh, thank you. I I try, but sometimes I would uh, settle for boring if it meant I could make things work right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't always like the excitement and interest. (laughs) All right. Back in the first hour, the first segment, uh, I was talking about this – This bit of information that's come out regarding Planned Parenthood and how they were able to cash in on uh, around $80 million in PPP loans by virtue of signing up as individuals as opposed to legally acknowledging that they're all part of an affiliate program. Obviously, Planned Parenthood has set their uh, little corporate structure up so that it looks like… They're all independent operators, but as you know, sir, uh, they are very closely dictated to from the powers on high. They don't have a whole lot of wiggle room as far as how they conduct business. So it should not have been legal for them to qualify for PPP loans in the first place. They have too many employees, period. But now under the Biden administration, some of these folks who have already been told to give back the cash – Uh, have ignored that, and they've applied for more PPP loans and have started receiving uh, similar and even in a few cases more cash than they did in the first time. Uh, It's got me so round up. I want to talk about it a little bit more, and I figure you're a pretty good person to have this conversation with, sir, because I know how you feel about the eugenics-based racist ridiculous murderer of the pre-born folks over at Planned Parenthood, too. So uh, your thoughts on them even receiving the first dime from PPP loans?
2: You know, basically, you know, they're smart and uh, the government and uh, the American people that are not riled about this development are stupid. It's as plain and simple as that. And as long as this government is allowed to continue to use our tax dollars to help fund this billion-dollar murdering organization, this is going to, uh, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, um, bring havoc upon the United States of America. You cannot sponsor death, especially of the innocent and the unborn, in such a manner and not expect an equal and opposite reaction uh, eventually upon this nation. Joe Biden understands that. The Democrats even understand that, all of them. But this is their goal to bring about, use any avenue to bring about destruction upon this nation. And for there not to be, you, you you know, the left is always concerned about when one guy, one guy gets accidentally killed, by police officers, right? By one police officer. They go to Nutsville. Burn down the town. Let's raid businesses. Oh, yeah, we're, we're hurt because of this, this killed young man, so let's go rob a store and clean it out. And let's burn other ones down and beat people up and all of that. That's because of our wine-sniffle and hurt over the death of one man. But yet, there's no outrage over the daily death of hundreds of innocent little babies. And this has been going on for a multitude of decades. And these beastly women who run this this organization um, that are allowed to not only run the organization, but to tap into the taxpayers' dollars, which that brings the entire country into it. See, it's one thing if you're a private entity and you're participating in in, in evil activities. But then when you have the government, which is supposed to be a representation of all of us, we the people, gets in on the act and continues to pour our hard-earned tax dollars into the coffers of this very wealthy organization. And see, they they understand that stuff. You'd, You'd be shocked, Tim, at what these people understand. And they don't want to be held accountable by themselves, so they rope in the rest of the country. If you notice, no matter what the left does, they'll start out and they say, "Well, just leave us alone. We want to be able to live our. We want to be able to live our own lifestyle. We. we who cares if Steve wants to be Cinderella?" I just, we just want to live our own, our own lifestyle and, and, and be to ourselves and, and, and live as we see fit. So America said, okay, you can do that. But guess what? Because we allowed it, they are now stuffing their homosexual backsides in everyone's faces. And America is being forced to accept everything that is wrong whether it's through tax dollars, whether it's through um, knocking down moral uh, laws and moral uh, expectations, moral behavior, on behalf of these freaks or these individuals who first wanted to be left alone. And it's the same principle. The reason why I brought in the homosexuals and all of that is because it's the same principle all across the board. They want to rope us in as a whole. And we, who know better, and there's a lot of us, we have to start standing up, and we have to start forcing our representatives, those Republicans who' run around saying they're so conservative, who go to nuts, who went to nutsville over Trump's tweets, but sat idly by when, in some cases, Trump was the only one fighting against abortion and the unfair treatment of um, certain Americans at, at the behest of those who practice things that uh, go against um, the moral laws that were part of the founding of this nation. So, see, I, I, this, this thing is like a, um, a, a deep, deep, deep hole, a black hole, and just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It's part of our debt. It's part of our deficit. And as long as we the people allow this, if they can get if one to two or three percent of the population, the tail is allowed to continue to wag the dog. When all we have to do is stand down and 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 and, and just stand up, we are still the majority in this country. I believe. Maybe fifty-fifty, but there's a lot of us. But. If you look at the action and the actual numbers of people that are doing all the destruction in the streets of America, they're still a tiny majority, uh, minority rather, compared to all of us who disagree with it. Those of us who disagree with all this madness had better get a grip real quick and get physically active in stopping this madness. We have to go to the offices, if we have to drive to the offices of our representatives and give them hell, verbal help, be a pain in, the, in their backside. Like the story in, the, in, the, in the, the biblical story where the woman just kept going after the judge. Judge, judge, judge. I forget what, what now what exactly what she needed, but <clears throat> she wore the judge down, and she got the right thing done on her behalf. Yeah. We have to be the same way. I think that's one of the reasons why things turned out the way they did with the election, because while Trump was out there just battling away, and every once in a while you'd see a, a Jordan, a Jim Jordan pop up, uh, you'd see a Lindsey Graham pop up here and there, you know, they strategically you know, stand around and say the right things. Uh, Like Trey Gowdy used to. Trey Gowdy used to say the right things, and he was rapid fire. He talked as fast sometimes as Candace Owens. But when it came down to it, they didn't get very much done.
4: That's
0: true. In fact, you know, for the longest time, you mentioned Trey Gowdy. He was one of my favorite people. I was so very happy he was there. Uh, He, I felt like he was representing. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Just coming out of nowhere there. Uh, <laughs> he, it felt like he was representing more than just the folks of South Carolina. But again, uh, like you mentioned, when it came time to actually uh, – well, let's see if we can pass a bill. Let's get the actual work done rather than just posturing for television and possibly hoping to get a, a job somewhere as a contributor after the fact. Uh, just nowhere. Crickets. Uh, That's all you heard. Just wasn't enough stuff being done. The focus wasn't there. We need somebody for messaging, but we need somebody who's also going to back up the message. That's part of why I miss uh, the Donald Uh, because even though he may have occasionally been a bit crude with his messaging, he still did a hell of a damn good job of following up. He got more stuff done in a short amount of time than nearly any other uh, president that we've had. I can't remember how long, especially considering all the headwinds he was fighting even against his own party. Well, you know something,
2: that crudeness – and allow me to explain this when I say it. That crudeness is actually a good trait. Now, of course, you want me to go, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll throw out a few names first. George Patton. King David Sir Winston Churchill uh oh Samuel Adams Paul Revere all these men and I can I could just keep going and going and going if you if 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 need be um, were by some people's standards during their heyday uh crude I mean someone asked uh Hey, General Patton, do you pray? Absolutely, every GD day. (laughs) But you know what? He seriously did pray every day. And he, you know, I mean, he would make um, Donald Trump, as far as his verbiage, he would make Donald Trump look like a uh, Cub Scout. So when God, one of the things that I really love about God is that uh, another one, uh, Andrew Jackson, I could add to that list as well. Um, God works with the tough. God works with the men who other men will call crude, but yet if you find out and you check into it, these guys are some of the most kind, some of the most uh, wise and accomplished citizens throughout the history of mankind especially when it comes to saving their countries positively affecting their countries or war and so in the case of the Donald we were in a war, we are still in a war for the very survival of this republic, he was winning the war and uh, he was allowed to be kicked out summarily as if he was a no good a no good Nick and now we do have an a truly crude individual in the White House. Um, how anyone could say, and I've, heard, and I've been told this by many people, how anyone who has a working brain, as you like to say, use your brain, you know, if it doesn't go against your nature or however you put it, I love that. <laughs> but if, if anyone were to, to be, you know, look at it logically, the Donald is nowhere near as crude as the likes of nasty pelosi chucky schumer joe biden kamala and i'm talking about based upon their conversations their actions and their beliefs they did not they they have not improved their character over the years the donald actually actually improved his character over the years and by the way even when when he was the donald and everyone liked him when he was at his worst character, he was still unlike the crude people that are now in, 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 in control of this country. He was actually doing kind things behind the scenes all through the years for people. So when one says that Donald the Donald was crude, I you know, I I I, I just have to wonder. Because, uh, like I said, I've, you know many people have told me that. I, his, someone told me that today. Uh, his behavior and his tweets, and he, he was just so crude, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, dude, do you, have you seen the old um, recordings of uh, Joe Biden and his racist comments? And, and have you tapped into the truth concerning um, his habits? And his son's habits. Talk about. You want to talk about crude? What about nasty Pelosi? What about Maxine Waters? That's crude. Um,
0: excellent point. And of course, there's a very big difference, though, Ron. That is, they're Democrats. They're oh, loud. that's right. Oh, you you, you have that's to keep saving that. saving grace. Yes. Oh. They made the right choice morally so they can occasionally have those slip-ups because we all know there's a the moral party. Uh, they're the ones fighting for the little guy. Uh, they're the ones that if you happen to be standing near them in a rainstorm, uh, take a few steps uh, in one direction or another because at some point, God will get back into the business of smiting directly. You don't want to get caught in the crossfire. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but you know what?
2: You're, you're correct. Uh, the, the Democrat Party is the party for the little guy. That is an absolutely true statement,
0: <laughs> and
2: I'll prove it because they want to make everyone, the all guy. of us, the little bitty guy that's dependent upon them. So you're absolutely correct, sir. They they are for the little guy, and ma- and if you're not one, they want to make you into the little a little poor little guy, a little gnome that lives under a bridge.
0: All right. Well, we're quickly uh, coming up to uh, the point where we're going to have to kind of put things on pause for this evening. Oh, man. Before we do that, though, uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, let everybody know where they can find your work at per the norm. But I have just a quick question for you. One last question, just a quick answer before we uh, do the usual goodbyes. And uh, that, of course, is uh, your thoughts on the very – Quiet but public admittance that the whole Russian bounty on American soldier stories looks like that it turns out to have been B.S. Once again, Donald Trump uh, appears to have been proven correct, and the Democrats are still uh, sucking wind.
2: Well, you and I knew that that was a big, a big, fat lie from the outset. And see, this is part of the orchestrated – I, I mean Stradivarius-level orchestration for the Democrats – to continue to put one lie after another they weren't only after donald trump in that they were after putin um and maybe i can bring this out uh, on in the future because i know i've got to go but they were out to get putin as much as they were donald trump because putin is not a globalist i think i did mention in one of my commentaries that aired on your show and putin said flat out that it's over for the globalist. He kicked globalist officials uh, from Europe out of Russia. And he allows more freedom of Christian thought in the schools in Russia than are allowed here in this United States, which was founded upon Christian principles. And they hate that man. That's why uh, Biden is, it continues to poke the bear. He continues to sell wolf tickets at, at Putin and uh, anger him and try to turn him off. And so that uh, the next president will have a hard time, and that maybe China will go after them and, and things of that nature, whatever. But just make them an, inner, in, an enemy of this United States, and to the point where you know they'll, they'll, they'll just hook up with China. And this is all orchestrated, man. And so um, the Donald and Putin are two men that I, I, I highly respect. And the more I see them going after Putin, the more I like uh, Putin. I, I I didn't I didn't I didn't think I would ever ever actually like Putin, but then I look at the enemies of, for instance, our country, who are the Democrats, and you look at who they go after with such a vengeance. Then you have to say, well, there must be something good about those that individual or that nation or whatever. And the way they've been going after Putin, and then I do my own private, as you say, do a little looking into the situation, and like Trump, Putin continues to look better and better and better. Is he, is he this great guy like, like our president? No. I mean President Trump. No. But he is getting better and better and better when I compare him to the thing, this thing
0: that is occupying the White House now. Well, to be fair you're not exactly setting the bar very high, and it's not a oh bar that we can. and it's not a bar we can find after <laughs> two p m uh eastern Standard Time because <laughs> it's nap time Uh, We're going to have to leave things there, but again, thank you for jumping in and and helping me out here. I greatly appreciate it. I didn't miss you Wednesday, my friend, but I understood you had things going on, as is always the case. Um, We will get back together per the norm uh, as soon as our schedules align again, but in the meanwhile, please tell everybody where they can find your work uh, before we can do that again.
2: Well, if you're in southeast Michigan, you can actually catch uh, The Edwards Notebook tomorrow on WAM, W-A-A-M, 1600 in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I think I'm going to be on the show there, uh, Art of Michigan, uh great Saturday show. You can also catch The Edwards Notebook overnight on Captain's America Third Watch uh, and as well as myself. And uh, let's see the Ron Edwards American Experience that occurs Sundays through Fridays on l and Network as well as on other ne- networks uh, around the country, um, including Mojo 50. And it, you can also catch the uh, Ron Edwards American Experience weekends on KSTAR Talk Radio and also Nevada Talk Radio Network. And let's see, The Edwards Notebook is heard on many stations around the country. And also, ladies and gentlemen, catch my latest column. I think you'll really like it. uh, At News With Views, at America Out Loud. It's a really great one to deal with the moral issues of of the day and how we can overcome some of this crap that's going on. Real concise stuff. And I use historical examples. And uh, check it out. I think you'll like it.
0: All right. As always, my friend, God bless, and keep up the great work, and we will speak again very soon. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All right. In the meanwhile, uh, it is time for us to go to that uh, mid-hour break and for me to attempt to get in touch with my next guest. So you guys stay right where you're at as we break into a little Edwards notebook, and uh, you know, don't go anywhere. I I promise I'll be back at some point. I I just – may not know when <laughs> stay, stay there please i'll be right back
2: the founding fathers left us with a government of by and for the people but as of now that is no longer the case hello i'm ron edwards on today's page from the edwards notebook the constitution plainly lays out the duties and the responsibilities of government to sum things up the government is not supposed to be a hindrance to law-abiding sovereign citizens. The government is supposed to protect we the people from harm, not be a source of harm. Unfortunately, the United States is suffering from the result of numerous bad decisions and actions. Among the most egregious was the cold and calculated leftist-inspired effort to gradually wean the United States away from the very principles and providential guidance that contributed mightily to the United States becoming the most highly blessed envy of the world. Even government school educators refusing to indoctrinate U.S.-born students are now educating foreign students who were brought into our republic illegally via permission from the current Washington, D.C. regime. The founders warned, that for the United States to remain a free nation, the people must be of high moral character. We have major decisions to make. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com.
4: Ron Edwards, the new voice of America.
3: Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
4: We often find ourselves arguing statistics with anti-gun people. But let's put the conversation into perspective. I'll give you some stats, but also expose the anti-gun left's real motives for gun control. First of all, don't you think that anyone who really wants to save lives would focus their attention on an area where the most lives are lost? The gun grabbers like to use the number of 30 to 40,000 gun-related deaths per year. But if we take out suicides, which are 60% of those gun-related deaths, which, by the way, are not reduced by the absence of guns, and we take out law enforcement-related deaths, in other words, good guys killing bad guys, we're left with about 14,880 gun-related homicides. But here's where it gets interesting. The majority of those gun-related homicides are gang-related. So let's say we didn't have the gang problem we have in this country. The number of gun-related homicides shrinks to 2,976 per year in America. Here's another interesting fact that the anti-gun left doesn't want you to know. The majority of gang-related violence occurs in Democrat-run cities across this country that are highly gun-restricted, by the way, and often allow violent illegals safe harbor. What that means is good people living within those cities are denied their right to protect themselves against the human violence that Democrats encourage with their bad policies. Now, let's compare that to some other things that the anti-gun left could be working on if they really wanted to save lives. Drunk driving takes almost 11,000 lives per year in America. 47,000 lives are lost per year in America due to suicide, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia being two of the leading causes of suicide, not guns. But one of the biggest causes of preventable deaths in America is abortion. Almost 330,000 lives are taken per year in America by people committing abortion. Now let me give you a piece of information that the anti-self-defense crowd doesn't want you to know. How many lives do you think are saved every year because of guns? The answer is two and a half million. Every year in America, two and a half million lives are potentially saved by the use of firearms. Now this doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy, and 46% of those lives saved are women. This is a study that was done by Gary Kleck, a Florida criminologist, and backed by data from the CDC. So why do you think the gun grabbers never share this information? Well, some would argue that they don't really care about saving lives as much as they care about disarming their fellow citizens and preventing them from independently protecting themselves and their families. Gun control is a top-down method that puts government in charge of the lives and safety of people under the guise of public safety. It's the first step in stealing the freedom our founders fought for. The anti-left has already decided that they are willing to give up their freedom to government. The problem is, they can't have their government-controlled utopian society unless you get on board. And real Americans are clearly not getting on board. Gun control is a way of forcing you into dependence, whether you like it or not. Now, we're never going to cure the evil in the hearts of killers, but we can stop them. So, to the gun grabbers, do you really want to save lives? Then get to work on the real causes of human violence and help us restore our gun rights so good people can protect themselves. Help us save lives rather than ending them before they get a chance to take their first breath. I'm Dan Watt. To check out my webcast, go to com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that uh, rather brief break. Of course, that was a public service announcement from Dan Wass. Uh, really digging into guns versus abortion, uh, a very worthwhile topic. In the meanwhile, I am honored uh, to be welcoming to the show for the first time the chief editor of The Morgan Report and uh, one of the co-authors of a great new book on finance called The Second Chance, How to Make and Keep Big Money – for the coming gold and silver shockwave, Uh, the kind of information that we all could benefit from, I might add. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. David Morgan. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming on with us this evening. I appreciate it. Uh, Before we jump into anything at all, how
3: are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, and I'm ready to tap into some more truth, Tim. Thank you. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, I certainly can appreciate that. Uh, Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the book before we let you go and would love to give you an opportunity to talk about the Morgan Report too. But I do want to start with this ridiculous idea that we heard thrown out. From Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, Uh, they're talking about this global minimum corporate tax, Uh, their very ridiculous idea uh, to try and slow down American corporations from just jumping ship, getting uh, out of Dodge again, uh, going to the places where the tax – uh, where all the tax structure is more favorable to those bottom lines, uh, all those things that we've seen under previous Democratic administrations that we saw works when you reduce them uh, under the Trump administration, uh, yet they they just they never cease to amaze me with how they come up with ways to outdo themselves. But before before we get your comments on it, uh, just so that people who maybe don't have enough of a fundamental understanding, would you care to explain exactly what it is Yellen and Biden and company are really talking about when they say a minimum global corporate tax?
3: Well, the idea is, and it appeals to a lot of people, if I might be so bold as to digress even further and look at the two fundamental principles here, And this is my studied view. It has to be opinion because it can't be proven. But if you look at the idea of capitalism and you boil it down to the worst case, and if you look at socialism and boil it down to the worst case, it's jealousy. So you've got those two factors in the worst case scenario. So you've got people that are jealous of people that, let's say, produce more something like the Ayn Rand book, and I'm not trying to digress too far to me and pull me back in, but the idea is simple. You've got something I want. I don't want to work for it, so you owe it to me. So let's tax it out of you, rich people that don't deserve it, because I say you don't deserve it. So it appeals to a lot of people. And I've been lately saying on some of my uh, podcasts that you're in this position, and it's happened again and again and again throughout history, is when you get more people that vote for a living and people that work for a living, it's easy for people to vote out of the pocketbooks of those that uh, basically produce. So this is the idea, that you get society to go along with this brilliant idea that corporations owe us more tax, and what happens is it backfires because corporations are masters at the bottom line, at profit. So what they do is that added burden on them tax-wise is passed on to the consumer. So for a quick example, if XYZ Corporation makes widgets and the price of widgets goes up 10% because of the new tax incentive, that will automatically put that widget at the marketplace as a 10% uh, fee higher than what it was before. It's passed on to the consumer, in other words. So, again, as you said, or I don't want to put words in your mouth what I understood you to say, was that They shoot themselves in the foot They don't understand how economics works And that's from the Treasury Secretary herself And believe me I will go into court as an expert witness And testify She doesn't know how <laughs> economics works
2: Yeah,
0: that probably wouldn't be hard To get very many folks to testify on that behalf uh, Yeah, it, it is astounding to me uh, It, it How do we keep getting these people who don't understand basic economics? uh, The the notion here, of course, is they're going to establish a tax rate that's going to affect these companies even if they move their uh, corporate headquarters outside of the United States, which typically has allowed them uh, sheltering uh, from the highest tax levels that uh, are here, typically under uh, certain administrations that love to spend way more money than they have and think that, All they have to do is continue to raise taxes as the simple solution rather than be the least bit fiscally responsible. Uh, They are literally the opposite of that corporation, as you were saying a minute ago, with mastery of the bottom line. These people have no concept of what a bottom line even looks like. Uh, But is there any merit at all uh, from a financial standpoint to instituting a global minimum corporate tax?
3: Control. I mean, it's government – I mean, basically, corporatism is what we have. It's really a technocracy. We've got the technological ability to make government and corporations, especially the top ones, combined. And so government's very happy, really, even though it's kind of a ruse in a way to say, oh, we're going to tax all these nasty corporations, when corporations are actually above government in the hierarchy of how the system really works on the planet basically the banks run everything and under them are the corporations and under the corporations are the governments that's how it actually works but the idea is to sell it to the public is to go ahead and say hey we're taxing those corporations because they're making too much money or they change as you said they change their jurisdiction to get more favorable so guess what your iphone costs you less because it's put together in china than it would if it was put together in the United States. That is a fact. I'm not saying that the Chinese labor force is treated fairly or any of that. I'm not going to get in that discussion. We can talk about it if we want. It's not the point we're making. The point is that corporations are going to seek the best atmosphere for them to get the best profit. And, again, if you take it to the extreme, it's greed. But it's not always greed. I'm just saying the extreme. I just wanted to put it in a context that most people can relate to. So you've got these ideologies that don't work. And believe me, capitalism is absolutely without a doubt the best. A free market capitalism is what we really should have, which really hardly exists anymore. We have a little tinge of free market, but not really free markets. And then you've got the other side that says, look... You owe me a living just for being here. I want government to run everything because it's not fair the way it is, and my big, fat, wonderful government's going to make it fair for me. All I have to do is vote the right people in here and make everybody conform to my idea, and everything's going to be wonderful. Well, that's been tried before, and usually when that actually takes place, the people that help um, get the power play into place, and it actually is manifest in reality. What takes place is those people that work so hard to get what they want get shot in the head. Because the people that are actually at the top, take a stall in the Pol Pot, there's other examples in history, actually end up fearful of anybody that helped them get there that might go against them. So they just take care of business right away. It's really a sad challenge to me knowing that the greatest lesson of history is that people don't learn the lessons of the history. And that was Santiana that said it, and I think it's more more important today to know that than any other time.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty well said. That's a a quote that I need to break out a little more often myself because it is so very true. One more question on corporations in general before we switch back to talk a little bit about some of these other things you've been doing. Uh, We've recently seen this new emergence, a wave of wokeness, if you'll forgive the common vernacular, that seems to be rearing its ugly head in boardrooms and in the CEO offices of major corporations, not just in this country but at international levels. Uh, Does this – run any risk of shifting the overall goal of these major corporations away from the idea of profitability. Uh, I mean it seems to be a complete ignoring of the fiduciary responsibilities of the people who are supposed to be running a corporation, but given some of this uh, social scoring that's working its way into credit ratings, uh, it seems like we've got to. A recipe for disaster ongoing Uh, what's been your take on that aspect and do you see this as a trend that will continue or do you think it's going to come crashing to a halt when ultimately there's just no more money coming the way to these folks that are accustomed to having almost unlimited dollars available
3: great question I'm still formulating an opinion so I'll just tell you my current thinking Number one, there are a lot of corporate leaders that are very conscious people. Uh, not all corporate people are greedy, not all corporate heads and you know top, top people are bad. In fact, some of them are extraordinary. Having said that, nature preaches balance and the whole system is out of balance and has been for a long time. So I think with the um, push toward this green movement and the push towards sustainability, And all the stuff that you hear from the left, the left isn't all bad either. There needs to be a balance, and we're, again, out of balance. So my idea at the corporate level is that some of the leadership in some of these corporations will take the lead, maybe make less profit, but do it in a more, an overused word, sustainable manner. In other words, look at what the viability of the corporation is in the long term. And a lot have already done that. Uh, My specialty is the mining sector, and a lot of places – that uh, the mining jurisdictions are under basically North American uh, jurisdictions actually leave the the mining facility better than they found it. In other words, you couldn't ever tell that a mine existed in that place. It wasn't always like that. But where do you do a lot of the uh, processing of ore and that type of thing? Well, you send it to China. Why? Because that jurisdiction doesn't have to meet the minimum EPA standards that are here in the United States. So, I might have gone too far on a tangent, but the point I'm trying to make is that you've got to be really careful with what's really happening because people get the general idea that, you know, we're going to clean things up. And there's usually, and this is from the WTO, the World Trade Organization, sets a standard that's good for the, uh, let's say, the vernacular or the politicians on TV, but doesn't necessarily take place globally.
0: All right. Well, it's certainly fair enough. And yeah, I I don't think anybody has any real problems with a uh, corporation, especially one that deals with the sector like mining, like you were pointing out, in taking responsibility for their actions. I think most people feel better about that. Uh, Just some of this more recent activity like uh, this major pushback by these corporations for the Georgia voter integrity law change, for example, where – The law itself does the exact opposite of what a lot of the politicians have been claiming, uh, and it seemed almost a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, It it just – even after the truth came down, I haven't seen a lot of uh, reversal, and it seems like a really good way to alienate a major block of their customer bases. When you're talking about people like uh, United Airlines, American Airlines, uh, Coca-Cola, uh, you know all these folks, some of these people are obviously in an industry that you can't really do without. Uh, some of the banking industries, unfortunately, the way everything's moved electronically, it's very hard to conduct any kind of business if – Nobody wants to handle your transactions. It creates these choke points for some business if they ever got to the point where they just decided, no, we're not going to uh, handle your processing fee. uh, It becomes kind of a politically charged thing as opposed to just uh, a condition where they're accepting responsibility for the role. Uh, I see very dangerous possibilities for what happens in the boardrooms there. But uh, I I certainly uh, take your point very well, and you made it uh, very well, sir. Uh, For anybody who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about the Morgan Report and what you do over there and what your primary agenda is. What's your goal?
3: Well, my goal, my mission statement is to teach and empower people to understand the benefits of an honest financial system. The basis is we're living the big lie. The big lie is you can get something for nothing. The big lie is you can print yourself wealthy. If you do that, Zimbabwe would be the richest you know, country on earth, and it's not. So the big lie, again, is that all fiat fails, and we're pretending as if the reserve currency of the world, the U.S. dollar, which is really the world religion. Most people won't admit this, but the world religion of the world is the U.S. dollar. Everyone worships it. In fact, people that are atheists have faith in the dollar. So the idea is that we are getting to the end of a great fiat experiment, a currency crisis. And this has happened again and again and again in monetary history. It's just it it's never been to this scale. We've never had, you know, pushing toward 8 billion people on the planet that have basically a dollar-dominant currency for the globe, and then everyone's going to see it fail, or let's say deteriorate in value so so rapidly that they are left basically holding the bag. So that's the premise of it. All fiat fails, three words, it's, there's no exceptions. To say the dollar hasn't failed is a misstatement. The dollar from 1913, roughly 100 years later in 2021, we're looking at a dollar by the Federal Reserve Board's own website is worth about two and a half pennies. So you're looking at you know 97 and a half cents have evaporated from what the dollar was, and their mandate is to have monetary stability. If monetary stability was the fact and they actually held to their mandate, then that 100 cents of 1913 would available in 2021 at 100 cents. It's not. So we're really arguing about how is the demise of the dollar going to take place and what's going to take it pl- take its place, and the idea is from the bankers themselves as they want to go from a cast to a cast of society, put everything in a digital format. And I missed your point before, and I tried to, you know, put something worthwhile to talk about, but you're right. The social credit system is going to play in. You either think our way or maybe your bank account gets docked or whatever, but it's definitely money is power. And if you can control the money power, you can control people. And that's what's happened. Unfortunately, a lot of the politicians are controlled. And a lot of society at all, a lot of people that are controlled by the monetary system don't even know that they are being controlled. So my whole goal in life has been to make people understand how the system works, why it's corrupt, and the little bit that we can do about it.
0: Uh, I would imagine that's a major driving force behind uh, the book Second Chance. Uh, Obviously, you are – Trying to warn people that the fiat experiment, as you put it, is coming to an end. Uh, real hard assets are going to make a difference. Uh, the ability to barter is going to make a difference. love to talk a little bit about the book, uh, but before shifting there, uh, your thoughts real quick. Uh, since you mentioned digital, I don't often get to discuss it very often uh, because I still – really don't understand it very well myself. Uh, How much expertise do you have in the realm of cryptocurrency, and how much do you see that being a major factor moving forward as governments try to move away from fiat?
3: Well, above average. I would not ever use the word expert on crypto, but I, I have a staff, and we've been covering the blockchain, the cryptocurrencies for over two years. And I edit everything, so I'm pretty familiar with it overall. I could tell you because I write write the editorial. I don't have a ghostwriter writing my work. It's me. And uh, Mark Carney, when he was president of the Bank of England, said it in the United Nations. He said it um, at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And uh, he said it, I guess, to the Bank of England that they basically want an MMT, modern money theory, print as much digitally as they can. In other words, they'll have a blockchain-based central bank, digital currency. It will be backed by absolutely nothing, and they will be able to control it, and that means they'll be able to track, trace, and tax everything you do. They'll know everything that you've bought, and you'll get taxed at point of sale most likely, and then again, this is where then you bring up an excellent point where the social credit situation will come into play. For a quick example that was laughed at was on the net about a decade ago that, hey, John, you're eating too many pizzas, and uh, you can't buy – you can get a vegetable pizza, you can't get a pepperoni pizza, that kind of thing. They'll have that kind of detail on everybody. And uh, the example I just made as a humorous statement may be more factual than we think at this point. So that's what they want. That does not mean that's what will manifest. We still can push back. We still have a vote. The best vote you can take is with your money. If you're worried about a bank failure or a bail-in, then you should really take some of your assets and put it into hard assets, gold and silver being the monetary metals, but you could have a stack of lumber. I mean, if you bought in plywood uh, four or five months ago and stacked it in your backyard or your warehouse or whatever, uh, you'd be looking pretty right now. So it doesn't have to be the precious metals, but this is the most convenient, most recognized, and most tradable of any of the commodities. All right. All
0: right. So uh, tell us a little more about the book. Uh, we're, we're actually uh, – we've got about four minutes left, or we're getting kind of cramped for time because unfortunately the thing about good conversation is it goes really fast, and, and you've uh, thrown out a lot of really good information at this point. But with the time remaining, let, let's talk about the book. What what made you decide now was the time some well, I mean, of the driving forces uh, in writing uh, Second Chance?
3: Well, a lot of it came from personal experience of myself and David Smith about making uh, mistakes as investors. One mistake that some investors make, especially beginners, is called a round trip. They buy a stock at $5, they watch it go to $50, and they hold it all the way back down to 5 Never do that. So the premise of the book is many exit strategies that you can employ to make sure that you take profits. And the idea that you got to pick the top is an amateur's game. So we point that right away in the book. Be happy. Set a goal when you get in. In other words, if you buy an investment at X price, then what's your strategy? Do you know what the ultimate price is? The answer is no one does. So there's several strategies in the book to protect you. And then we have uh, some very well, rather sophisticated but not hard to understand ideas that like in the silver market that tends to be very volatile and tends to spike high. And everybody wants to get that very peak because it can go from 35 to 50 in a week, and you're getting a lot more profit if you get $15 more per ounce. What do you do? And we have one that we came up with called the sacrifice fly. You cash out. And you've got your, you know, your profit, but you still think there's much use to the upside. Well, we'll give you an option strategy that allows you to throw that sacrifice fly, as we termed it, buy a little bit of, with a little bit of money to hold on and try and catch that, you know, that last oomph in the market. So there's a lot there. The main gist of it is be an adult, have a plan, execute your plan, and don't expect to make every penny out of the market. That's not how the market works.
0: All right, that is obviously good advice, and uh, even uh, folks who've been in the markets for a little while still fall victim to to that kind of mentality. Uh, I I believe uh, the uh, saying uh, that gets quoted quite often uh, from uh, Jim Cramer that I love, uh, the the saying – Bears make money, bulls make money, pigs get slaughtered. That's the kind of thing that you have to keep in mind too. Uh, Dave, again, thank you so very much for joining me this evening. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Please take this opportunity to to let everybody know where they can find your work. Uh, Feel free to share websites, uh, connections to the book, and if you're inviting people to follow you anywhere on social media, please feel free to share that as well.
3: Well, very good. Thank you. The easiest thing is to go to the main site, which is TheMorganReport.com. You sign up for our free newsletter. There's a tab for the books. Uh, There's a tab for About Us or About. On the About tab, there's a movie called uh, The Four Horsemen Film. It's free. I suggest people take the hour and a half to watch it. It will give you a huge overview of where we are on the global system It's called The End of the Age of Empire would be my subtitle to the Four Horsemen film. And this cycle repeats over and over again. We just happen, as I said before, to be in a major one because of the population and global. Everyone uses the U.S. dollar as a means of settlement. Uh, Going to the blog, a lot of stuff that I do is on the blog for free. And at the top of the blog are small icons. I wish my webmaster made them a little bigger, but there's an icon for Twitter For Facebook, for LinkedIn, for all the social media, if you just click those icons, you will find my Twitter feed, my LinkedIn feed, my YouTube channel, all that stuff is available on the blog for free. I do a lot of work and a lot of public service for people because I want them to understand the times we are in and that you can vote with your your money and reposition it at a modest level. 10% is probably best for most people. And that modest amount will certainly let you have financial freedom if things continue on the track we're on. And it's almost, it's not 100%, I can't say guarantee in this business, but I can say it's always happened in the past. And the future looks like it's going the same direction.
0: All right, sir. Hey, thank you so very much once again for joining me this evening. I, I greatly appreciate it, and I really do hope we get an opportunity to speak again in the near future. In the meanwhile, thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, there is no more important thing, especially in these times, than to make sure that information is available and that That's the challenge, getting people to consume factual information. Thank you, sir. God bless, and like I said, I hope we get to speak again sometime soon.
3: Well, Tim, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate being on your that, <clears throat> tap in the truth channel. It's really, really good. Thank you, sir.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it uh, from uh, David Morgan, and that, of course, is going to have to be it for me for tonight because we are at that point. Uh, Folks listening over at uh, Late Night in the Midlands Network, we're about to have to say goodbye to you from the live feed. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, Everybody who uh, managed to finagle your way through the broadcast at uh, BTR, uh, thank you for your patience. A special thanks to all of tonight's uh, great guest, and uh, most importantly, please remember, whatever you hear me say, don't take my word for it, but definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, and uh, be smart out there, guys, even if it goes against your nature. Have a great weekend, everybody.